Well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, today, I don't have a whole lot of slides. Today's going to be a bit more interactive. We're going to work on some numbers. We're going to crunch some numbers. Everyone brought your 10 key, your big calculator with you, right? Yeah? Okay. It's on your cell phone now, so it's on the charger back at the... Okay. <laughs> That's okay. We'll work through some things together. We're going to give you some tools to take with you today. Um, and then I want to make sure I leave time at the end if you have questions. Uh, as a group, we can talk about questions. Some of our best discussions come from just the questions that you guys have that you bring up that maybe I haven't thought of or you haven't thought of, so totally open for that. And we'll leave time at the end too if you want to talk personally afterwards. We will be talking a little bit more about budgeting today, and I know that sometimes that's a real personal issue. So if you have personal questions, we'll make sure we can have time afterwards to talk about that together. Sound good? All right, well, let's get going. Today we're gonna to talk about telling the money where to go, okay? Telling the money where to go. Let's take a quick recap of what we talked about yesterday, though. Yesterday, when we were all here together, we talked about, we uh, noticed that the United States is actually very wealthy, but it's also a very, very in-debt country, right? What was the magic number? $19 trillion actually recorded. $101 trillion off the books. We learned that character affects our relationship with money. We talked that, about that financial education is important. And it's important that we're all here because now we're all learning about financial education. We talked about that few people actually understand financial matters. Remember the FINRA study that we, take a, that we took a look at that they took in 2012? Only 39% of folks could actually answer four questions about personal finance correctly. We talked about what money is. We talked about how it works and we talked about how to use it. We, I passed around some uh, samples yesterday, and I have them again here today if you want to look afterwards about uh, money that was out in Zimbabwe, the $100 billion note, uh, hyperinflation. We looked at some old U.S. currency that was actually backed by silver, but nowadays we have what's called the what? The fiat currency, meaning it's backed by nothing other than the government saying, use it. And then we also introduced the Dave Ramsey 7 baby steps, all right? And we'll be working on, we'll be looking at his uh, baby steps all through the week. I think they provide great guidance for um, putting together a solid financial plan. Okay, so let's take a look at them again this morning. The first one we talked about yesterday was that $1,000 to start an emergency fund. That was step one. If you have nothing, if you're in debt up to your eyeballs, you have nowhere else to start, the very first and most important thing is, is just get some money in the bank, right? That way, when we have a problem, we have an emergency, we don't go to the credit card to fix the problem, we go to our savings account to fix the problem, right? Step two, paying off all of our debt using the debt snowball. We are gonna talk about the debt snowball today. We're gonna build one up on the chalkboard and we're gonna build one right out so we can see how it works. Step three, taking three to six months of expenses and building it up into savings. Step four, investing part of our income for retirement, college funding for children if we have any. Some of us don't have children, but some of us do have grandchildren, so that's something to think about too. Paying off the home early. Could you imagine if you didn't have a home house payment, how much money you'd have left over every month? It's a very big number, isn't it? And building wealth and giving. If you have no payments in life, if you have only money coming in, if you have a budget, if you have a financial plan, could you imagine how much more you could be giving, how much more you could be giving to the cause of God? He's staggering. We talked about the $1,000 emergency fund yesterday. We talked about what it was for. It was for what? 
those unexpected events, right? The basement floods, right? What are we going to do? Well, we don't want to go use the credit card and get more deeper in debt to get the problem fixed. That's why we have an emergency fund to help get us started. Where should we keep it? We should keep it in easily accessible, fully insured bank accounts. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, with all that money is just sitting in the bank. It's going to earn 0.0000001%. You know, I might only make three cents a year on it. It's true. But could you imagine if you had to use your credit card and you had to pay 22% interest on the fix rather than taking the money out of your bank account? Probably costs a lot more than three cents, right? What's that? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, homeowner's insurance would definitely pick in and help, but, you know, how long do you think it might take to get reimbursed on some of those things? It could take a while. You really want to leave, you know, three feet of water in your basement for three months while you're waiting? Yeah, then they won't help you put the transmission in your car. Yeah, absolutely. What if um, a family member has a medical problem? A lot of us wouldn't be really willing to stand by and watch them suffer when we know we could help, right? That could be an emergency. Not only that, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe the question was maybe you need to go take uh, FMLA, that's Family Medical Leave Act, um, where you're allowed to take up to 12 weeks off of your job without having to basically be terminated, but your employer doesn't have to pay you during that time. So how do you take care of your bills if you're helping somebody else, right? What the emergency fund should be used for, we just talked about it. it, could be a broke down car, a flooded basement, not for vacation, and it's not for those unbeatable deals. I know that, you know, all those cases of, you know, food at the ABC is a great deal right now, but it's probably not the best use of the emergency fund, right? Right. Hey. So, yes, absolutely. That's what an emergency fund is for. So let's take a look today. I promised you we were going to take a look at getting out of debt, and we were going to take a look at budgeting today. So we are going to take a look at using the debt snowball. What's a snowball? Anybody know what it is? Fall snow, right? Got it. It's not quite the snowball where you take it up and you smash it at your sister's face, right? No. <laughs> it's, the, it's the kind of snowball, more like an avalanche type of a snowball. It starts small, right? It's like when you build a snowman and then you roll it and you roll it, and before long the thing's so big you, can, you can't even push it anymore. It's that kind of snowball. But it's that kind of snowball going down a hill, so it's building on its own, okay? So in order to, bu to build a good debt snowball, we have to take a list of all of our debts, excluding the house for now, okay? Excluding the house. We'll take the smallest balance. It'll be, our, it'll be its first priority. We'll put them on the top of our list. In interest rates are irrelevant. So maybe you have a debt that's 25% interest. Maybe you have a debt that's 2% interest. Doesn't matter. We just want to see what the smallest one is, and we're going to take them from smallest to biggest, okay? The only caveat here is that if you have a debt to the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, we don't want to be in debt to them. Not ever. Okay? I actually have a story about the IRS. It's not my personal story, thank goodness. So I had a client. They were actually not for profit. You know, we did the audit for them and um, had done the audit for a long time for them. They, t they kept the books terrible. The audit was always impossible to do. It was always a mess. We had to do a lot of the bookkeeping. We had to write them up for all sorts of you know, internal control problems and findings. And uh, so you get the gist, you know, right? They, they just really, they didn't have their act together. Well, they, they actually owed some money to the IRS. Didn't pay it, didn't pay it. And this is a place that has payroll. They had maybe five grand in the, in the bank. Not very much, right? 
Well, one day they went to make payroll and there was no money in the bank. This is, where the, this is why the IRS gets paid first. The IRS has the power to do what's called levying. They can levy your bank account. So you can see it one day, they can go in there, suck it dry if you owe them anything. And so then the next day you go to do it and there's no money left. Well, in this client's case, they actually had a real problem because they'd also written a whole bunch of checks to pay bills the day before too. So what do you think happens to all those checks? They bounce, $35 fee, $35 fee, $35 fee, $35 fee, $35 fee. Now you bounced over 10, $55 fee, $55 fee, $55 fee. Now you bounced over 15, 100, 100, 100. See how bad it can get? So now their problem of having little cash flow now turned into now we owe five, now we just had to pay $500 in bank fees on top of it. <laughs> All because the IRS didn't get paid first. Oh yeah, the IRS. Yeah, well they say it's the prevailing rate, but um, I don't think that they're uh, charging what you and me get on our bank account. <laughs> Prime plus whatever they want. <laughs> Um, I think it's around 6% right now, honestly, is what they're charging. But what's interesting is though you also have to pay a penalty. So they, they charge you penalties for not paying. You might have a penalty for not paying. You might have a penalty for you know, not doing it on time, even if you're a day late. And then they'll add that to the balance, and then you're going to pay interest on top of that. So it's just, yeah, and it's compounded daily. So it's a mess. Like, you know, that's why I put it up here. The IRS is uh, not to be messed with. We pay them first, okay? And then we're going to use all of our resources to pay off the smallest debt. Then we'll move on to the next debt, one at a time. Does that make sense? As the cash flow increases, because we're not going to have those payments that are going to have to be made anymore, we can take those payments and we can now start applying them to the next debt. And before long, we have a huge amount of money applying to that last loan. Okay? So let's talk for a second. Now let's see if I can write on the chalkboard. I know it's kind of in the corner, so if you can't see, let me know. What are some things nowadays that have payments attached to them that's debt-related? Can you think of anything? Anything in your life maybe that you've ever financed or had to get a loan for that had payments attached to it? Credit card. What was that? Car loans, yep. Oh, Sally Mae. <laughs> yep. We're not counting it for what we're doing here, but it is definitely a debt, right? Anybody ever owed money to the hospital? Anything else? HELOCs? Uh, home equity line of credit. It gets this nice uh, abbreviated name called a HELOC. Pretty clever, right? Home equity line of credit. 401k loans. 401k loans are real fun, actually. You know what happens with a 401k loan is maybe you have a $20,000 401k from your employer where they've been putting money into your retirement. Or maybe you've been putting money into, and they'll let you take a hardship loan. Sometimes that you can take it for anything. But you take it for a hardship loan, maybe you borrow, well, let you normally take half, so let's say you take 10000 of it, you need it for something real bad, you know? And um, so you use it, and then, you know, you're slowly making your payments back, but then let's say you lose your job now, okay? So you sever, you're, uh, sever employment with your current employer, you have 90 days to pay the entire balance back, 
or the IRS considers it a distribution, which means you not only have to pay the full tax on the 10,000 that you didn't pay when you put the money in, but you also have to pay a 10% penalty. Boom. I think it's 10. Yeah. Yeah, tw yeah, yeah, HS, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to touch those. Anything else? Utilities? Just being, yep, just being behind on utilities? Put it over here because we're going to use that spot. Personal loans. What kind? Okay. Yeah. Yep, you're right. And they're normally a real nice, uh, fair interest rate, right? 13%, 14%, something like that. <laughs> Anything else? There's some that we don't have up here that I know that some of us have done before. Ooh, paycheck loans. Those are real cool, right? Everybody wants to own, owe money to Guido, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Vacation loans. Timeshares. Oh, yeah, you can get a loan for a timeshare. I'm surprised Disney hasn't invented Disney Finance yet, you know, the separate arm of their, their corporation where they'll actually finance your education. <laughs> Bingo. Now we're getting a little close to camp meeting, aren't we? The RV, the boat. Anything else? Yep, the camper. Yep, yep, the RV. Has anybody ever financed a piece of furniture before? I remember the first thing I ever financed in my life was a mattress. Brilliant, right? What do you think? What do you think uh, drew me to it, though? Huh? The what? The low payments or the lack thereof for how long? Same as cash. 12 months. You don't have to pay this thing. Or, yeah, even better, two, you know, two years. Two years, your mattress, you don't even like it anymore. <laughs> and you haven't even paid for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the great thing about those types of loans, furniture loans, mattress loans, is that the interest... When the payments do start up 24 months down the road, the interest has accrued the entire time. Right? Yeah, so if you don't get it paid off in that 24 months, you, you're now like two years behind, per se, on the payments. Cool, right? Anything else? What's that? I, I uh, got a job in a different state, uh -huh. and it included moving. So they moved us, and then they kept that one to another. Mm. Okay. Put you up to the next bracket. Yep, moving fees. Not quite a debt, but definitely something to think about, talk about with employers. Yeah, you did, yeah. <laughs> debt consolidation? Debt consolidation sounds great, but what happens in debt consolidation? Usually the interest rate's lower, but there's these nice things called fees, right? Nobody does anything for free nowadays, right? Always got to remember that. Oh, it's free. Hmm, not really. 
Anything else? Car leases? Business loan? What's that? Apartment. apartment? We're not going to put an apartment up on as a debt, but um, that's kind of like an ongoing payment. But yeah, I, I see what you're getting at. That's true. Yep, yeah. Yep, you'd be in debt if you had to build it in. Car leases are kind of an interesting thing because uh, you get a, what do you get out of a car lease? What makes it so appealing to get a car lease? Yep, low payments. You get a brand new car. Brand new car. You can drive around that $40,000 Chevy Traverse that you had no money in the bank to buy, right? All for the nice, easy, low payment of $450 a month, right? Yeah, and as long as you go over 10,000 miles, because after that you got to pay 40 cents a mile, right? <laughs> yep. 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 So you lease the car and now you have a more expensive thing you're driving around, which the insurance company says, wow, you crashed that thing. That's going to cost a lot more than that $5,000 car you just got rid of. We're going to triple your rate. So insurance But you can always change your insurance. Right. You can change the assets that you insure or you can go insurance shopping, which is one thing we'll talk about today as well. Yep, usually they want full comp and full coverage for um, if you get hit, someone else hits you, you hit a deer, they want to make sure that, why do you think they care about that though? You owe them money. And remember when you drive a new car off a lot, does it go up in value? No, you're already negative. So they want to make sure that the insurance is going to cover that so that they are made whole, not you. They don't care about you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just just to get out of it, right? Yeah. I have a friend that he just leased a truck, and you know you ride in it, and of course you're like jealous instantly. You're like, oh, this thing is so nice, you know. And uh, you know, ah, I got a lease on it. I'm like, oh boy. Like, how many miles you you know you're leasing? You know, he's nowhere close to enough. But the dealer told me that I have a truck, so you can turn them in early. I'm like, like, well, so what happens when the market tanks and they don't want your truck? You're stuck. Anyways, something to think about. Yeah. So there's all sorts of different things, right? All sorts of different things. So let's talk about what this debt snowball would look like. We'll pick a couple of these items here, okay? Um, so if we're going to build a debt snowball, everybody write down what they wanted right here. I'm going to erase this here. Okay. feel kind of bad. I got a really nice chalkboard all dirty now. So it's unlikely that in life we have all of these debts all at once, right? We probably have a good handful of them, right? So let's build our debt Snowball. Okay. So the first thing we got to do when we build the debt snowball is we have to take stock, like we just did, of the different types of debts we have, how much it costs to pay it off. So the total payoff. We need to know the minimum payment 
and then we're going to calculate our new payment. Okay? One, two, three, four things. Okay? So let's say we did that really cool thing where we bought that piece of furniture. Okay? Let's say that we still owe $500 on that bad boy. Okay? The minimum payment every month is $10. Okay? So right now we're just going to take stock. We'll talk about that last column in a minute. Let's say we also bought a refrigerator. 30 days, same as cash. Cost $1,000. We got a real good deal. Minimum payment, $50. So we'll pay that thing off in, what, three years probably with interest, right? Then we have the credit card. We're fortunate. We're better than uh, the rest of America. We owe 3000 on it. The statement says we owe $50 every month. We'll pay it off in 17 years. We have a car loan. We did pretty good. We actually have bad credit, so they only gave us $5,000. But we owe $200 a month on it. Oh, but spring came, and we had to buy a boat. Had to have the fishing boat. We bought it used, 7000 <laughs> We paid 7000 for it. We got it used. Craigslist, awesome. We owe two fifty dollars on it. The credit union gave us the loan. Then our favorite down here, Sally Mae, the student loan. We owe 15 grand on him for 150 a month. See what we just did? We built what's going to be our debt snowball. We have our items, the amount that we owe on them from smallest building up to the largest. Okay? We didn't care about interest rates. If we cared about interest rates, which one do you think would be the lowest on this list? Yeah, which one do you think would be the lowest interest rate? Student loans. Student loans right now are one and a half, two percent, I think, something like that. They're not real. They're not real big, right? But the balance gets big really fast, right? It's also kind of ironic that when you look at it, the payment also gets bigger, but the student loan payment's probably actually one of the smaller ones of all. Why is that? You pay on it forever. It's like a pet. You keep it around forever on a leash, right? Yeah. The interest rate's low, and you get at least 10 to 15 years to pay for it, sometimes 20. Yeah. You want to ask a, ask a doctor about student loans. My, my sister-in-law is a doc, and I remember when she told me what, what it cost to go to school, I was just, wow. All right, so now let's suppose we sit down and we figure out what our total is. So what are we paying every month? You probably can't see it now. It's too low, isn't it? 710? We're, we're making payments right now of $710 a month. And we owe how much? You can't see it, can you? <laughs> we're in debt $31,500 total. Okay? We're paying $700, $710 a month. Now, let's suppose we decide we're going to get serious on this. We want to get this stuff gone. Do you think it's going to be gone in a month? 
No. It's probably going to take a while, right? It's going to take determination. Let's suppose, though, that we can come up with maybe, you know, we build a budget, which we'll look at in a minute, and let's decide we can come up with maybe an extra $190 a month to throw, to throw towards this debt problem, okay? So, if we're going to take our minimum payment and we're going to add 192 to it, what are we going to pay on this guy? We're going to pay 200 How long do you think it's going to take to get rid of the furniture loan paying $200 a month? About two months, right? And he's gone. Now we feel good. We've got one of them off the list. Check. Furniture loan. Done and gone. So now we have this $200. Now we're going to move him on. We're going to take this full 200 and we're going to move him towards paying off the appliance loan. So how much are we going to have towards him now? Now we're going to pay 250 on him. How long is it going to take to get rid of him? A couple, four months. Four months. So how, how deep are we now? Six months, about six months, and we've gotten rid of two of our debts already. Not a lot of dollars, but two of them are gone now. Okay? Well, we'll take the 200 and then we'll add to the 50, so we'll be, we'll be paying 250 on him. Well, we took our 190. Yep, yep, sorry. We decided we could come up with an extra 190. Okay? 190 plus 10 gives us 2, 200 plus 50 gives us 250. Now, you're still, yep, yep, because we've been making the minimum payments just fine on everything else, right? We're living the happy life of the Joneses and, you know, we can, we can afford the minimum payments, right? But now we've just scratched up a little bit extra to get serious on it, okay? The 190. And we're going to look at a budget and we're going to look at how we can come up with that 190 in just a couple minutes. So we've got the 190, we, put, we took the $10 minimum payment, now we're paying 200 Paid him off. He's gone. He's gone. Put a check mark on him. Happy days. And then we're going to take their 200. We're going to add him to our minimum payment of this. Now we're going to be paying 250. Okay? He's gone in a couple months. Now we're moving on to the credit card. Okay? So we have our 250. We're going to add what to it? 50. So we're going to be now be paying 300 a month. Probably a little bit less because we've made a little bit of the you know these small payments. Right, right. So it's a little bit less. Okay? Cross them off. The fridge is paid for. The credit card's paid for. Uh-oh, though. What happened? The freezer broke down right in the middle of this whole process. What are we going to do? Oh, that's right. We're going to go get the emergency fund, right? We're going to get the $1,000 cash we put aside. So our debts are not going to grow, right? We might have to slow down our 190 to get some, to help replenish our emergency fund, but we're not making our problem worse in the meantime, right? Okay? So now we're on to the car, okay? Got 5,000, we're paying 300, we already were paying 200, so now what are we up to for paying on that car? 500. Now there's an interesting thing with cars and boats, now that we're down here. And you can cheat a little bit in some of these areas too if you want to get out of debt even faster. Maybe you realize this car is just too expensive. What can you do? You could sell it. You could sell it. I mean, you, have, you don't have any money to buy a new car, but you could probably get a smaller loan to get you through, right? So maybe you sell the car, you pay off the 5000 you go to your credit union, you get a $1,000 loan to get you a reliable junker to get you to and from work. Okay? So you could cheat. You could save 4000 right there. 
But maybe you're like, oh, it's 5,000, it's not that much, it's gonna be paid off. Maybe we're actually towards the end of the life of the loan anyways. Maybe, it's, maybe it makes more sense than just to keep it, you know? But maybe you look at the boat and you're like, man, I use that thing maybe 0.2 times a year. I can tell my feelings towards boats. I'm sure that not everybody's the same. I think boat owners usually say there's, what, the happiest day of owning a boat is the day you sell it. <laughs> so maybe you decide, you know, let's just get rid of the boat. Put it on Craigslist. Sell it. You want to get out of debt. Maybe you're like a, a fisherman tournament. Maybe that's your living. Well, then well, maybe we need to keep it, you know. But for most of us, it's probably for fun, right? So anyways, let's decide we're going to keep the boat, okay? So we take our, our car's now paid off. The boat's two fifty a month. What are we up to now paying on the boat? Seven fifty a month, right? Boat's paid off. We're probably 36 months into the whole ordeal, right? Now we go after who? Sally Mae. So she's one fifty. We've got her seven fifty. What are we up to now? Nine hundred a month. It'll take a while to get rid of Sally Mae. But it is possible now, right? Can you imagine how much less time it's going to take to get rid of that student loan at nine hundred a month versus only one fifty a month? We're not talking fifteen years anymore. Now we're talking like maybe two. And not only that, but here's the real fun part. What happens when it's all paid off? How much do you have? You have $900 a month that you can use for something else. Savings. Giving. Until we have our stewardship team in the room. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So if you don't have room in the budget for something, the question was, what happens when the freezer does die and you need to get the new freezer, you need to get it fixed or something like that? Well, we don't want to put more in the debt. We don't want to buy a new appliance loan. We don't want to put more in the credit card. So what do we do? We tap the emergency fund. Let's say we get it for 400. It's a small chest freezer or something like that. You know, you can get that at Menards or Home Depot for 400 bucks. So maybe you need to stop the whole extra 190 for two months until you can replenish, get, get yourself back up to that $1,000 emergency fund mark. Does that make sense? But you still have the full benefit of wherever else you've already, wherever, wherever you're already at in the chart. Well, yeah. you have mentioned several times. How Could, reliable is Craigslist? How reliable is Craigslist? Yes. Uh, if you ask my wife, she sells all sorts of stuff on Craigslist, and we buy stuff on Craigslist all the time, too. You do have to be careful, though. Um, I sold a car on Craigslist. A guy out of we sold our, our minivan. I know, real exciting people, right? Sold our minivan on Craigslist, and I had a friend that did a lot of Craigslist and eBay selling. He says, you don't take cashier's checks. You don't take personal checks. You only take cash. Only cash. Cashier's checks a lot of times are fraudulent now on Craigslist. Yep. We actually had a friend that um, just just like a week and a half ago tried to sell something on Craigslist. Um, they were selling a pool table out of their basement. And you know they got someone got a hold of them on Craigslist and they said, you know, yeah, absolutely, we're gonna send a moving company, we wanna come pick it up from you, we're gonna come, uh, you know, we're gonna bring a cashier's check, we're gonna send it to you in the mail. Well, they got the cashier's check, and fortunately, they decided to go to the bank. Well, that bank didn't even exist. 
So when you start Googling the bank, you're like, where is this bank at? It wasn't real. So, oh yeah, you can, I mean, cashier's checks are just, they just look fancy, you know, they got some purple and blue and yellow mixed in on them or whatever, but a lot of times they're, yeah, they can easily be made fraudulent. You sell what on Craigslist? Goats? Okay. I have to check them out because yeah. I see they're not ghosts. Yeah. And so people want to buy them cheap and eat them. And I'm like, how can I see them ghosts? I don't care. And so I have to screen them. And I had learned from some people before that that what happened is they put their phone down and people know them and they didn't even know. Yeah. And yeah. Also, They'll come and still take the goats. Yeah, that's, that's true. You know, a lot of a lot. Of, I've also heard of other people. What they'll do if they're going to sell something expensive on Craigslist is they'll actually meet at the um, the buyer's bank to make the transaction to make the trade. And then all you got to do is you walk in together, you go up to the teller, they make the withdrawal, they give you the money, or they can give you a cashier's check. Here at the bank, you know it's legit. And then you can make the transaction in the parking lot and go on your way. Yeah, and if someone's serious, you know, you're getting a good deal. So most people are most people are happy to do good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wire transfers are are they're immediate too. Yep. So if you go to your bank and you say you want to make a wire transfer, um, once the money once they click the button and it goes, it's done. You can't get it back. It's final. Um, you know, running a finance department where I work, you know, we make wire transfers every day, and it's always something to be concerned about. And you know, I probably get at least two, probably two to three fraudulent emails a day of somebody sending me a fake invoice. Somebody's saying, you know, send the money right away. Someone got a hold of um, a very similar email address to the president of our company. And I got an email from him that says, Jeff, are you in the office today? I need a wire transfer sent for 30000 like, right now. But you can sometimes tell in the language of some of these things because, like, this is not how the company president talks, for one thing. He, he's never, you know, signing an email to me, sincerely, Thomas. And, like, he goes, but, you know... So you, you, you got to listen to the tone sometimes of an email, and it can give you clues to whether it's fake or not. And I just push delete, and it's like, you know, hope it, hope it wasn't for real. <laughs> yep, a lot of misspellings. Yeah, sorry, I keep putting up. Um, I don't know if you have any questions, but to encourage people, why is the emotional just to give them a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to let you add to it, too, when we get to it, just to, we have a resident Dave Ramsey expert with us, so. All right, so let's keep moving on here before I get off on a Craigslist tangent, right? All right, so let's keep going here. So we need to figure out how much we actually have in order to pay off the debt, right? So we need to figure out how much money we have coming in, 
we need to figure out how much money we have going out so that we know if we have anything to work with, right? And we might need to adjust our ins and our outs in order to make it work. So what we're going to try and come up with right now in our situation is we're going to try and come up with where can we find this extra 190, okay? And maybe that, that, you know, the number is more than 190. Maybe you can do 290, 390, 490, 590. The bigger you can get that number, the faster it can go. In minus out equals either a surplus or a deficit. Those are cool accounting words. You know, I love it when I can use some accounting phrase. <laughs> so where does the money come from? Where does our money come from? Wages, right? We go to work, we trade our time for dollars. Some of us have interest, dividends, capital gains, brokerage accounts, rents. Some of us have rental properties or a house that we used to live in that we rent out. It's income to us, right? Royalties. I suspect not many of us have royalties, but what if you write a book and, you know, the publisher keeps selling it and selling it and selling it forever, you're going to be getting what in the mail? Royalty checks. Social Security. I bet you some of us in the room get Social Security checks, right? Pensions. Yeah, I bet some of us are getting pensions. Sadly, though, the number of us that will be getting pensions in the future is going down. <laughs> annuities. Does, anybody, does everybody know what an annuity is? Just found out? Annuities are very similar to pensions. Basically, what you can do is you, if you have a lump of money, you can turn it over to an insurance company or a not-for-profit, and what they'll do is they'll pay you X amount of dollars for a set amount of time. Usually it's the rest of your life or you and your spouse's life. That's income. A lot of times uh, in lawsuit settlements, you end up with annuity-type agreements where you're, you know, the money's deposited somewhere and you're going to get so much for the rest of your life. Where does the money go? So this is a really cool chart, and I know it's small and everybody can't see it real great, but this was actually published by the Department of Labor, and it actually has the, the numbers that are on it are not just estimates. They're actually what people are traditionally spending nowadays. So you can see our biggest category over here is in housing, almost $17,000 a year in housing. That's about, just like we said yesterday, about 34.5% of our expenses goes to housing. A huge number. Transportation down here at 15%. Healthcare, entertainment, insurance, everything else, food, groceries. We spend money on all sorts of things in order to live, right? The one thing I don't like about this chart is it doesn't have tithes and offerings on it. But this is the government publishing, remember? My disclaimer. Right, absolutely. Or when we get a raise, right? Or if we change jobs, that can increase income, right? So let's talk about budgeting for a second. Yep. <laughs> And some, you know, sometimes it's important for us to think about those big things that are coming. You know, the average life of a furnace is 15 years. So if you go downstairs and you look at your furnace and you're like, you know, clear the dust off the installer tag and you found out that the thing was put in in 1995. It's still working. What should you be doing, though? You should probably be thinking about saving up to replace it, right? 
Just lie to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and let's talk about budgeting here. What's the definition of budgeting? It's an estimate of income and expenditure for a set period of time. So can you make a budget for a week? Yeah. Two weeks? Paycheck to paycheck? Monthly? Semi-annually? Annually? No? <laughs> Some people are shaking their head. No. <laughs> you can. You can set a budget for whatever you want. So I'll tell you personally what I like to do is I like to make an annual budget, figure out what I'm going to make in the year, and then what everything's going to cost for a year. I like to see the big number of what something's going to cost for a year. What am I going to spend to, to uh, heat my house in a year? Like I like to know the big number. I don't like to just know the monthly number because it kind of keeps it in perspective when you're like, wow, you know, $4,000 to heat my house. Maybe I'm going to keep it at 70 instead of 72. See, so it can help guide your behavior sometimes. And then you can take those and you can just divide by 12 and get down to what you need to put aside every month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we got to keep our eyes on different things with the different bills that we have to make sure that we're still getting a fair shake, right? Um, nice thing about utilities is a lot of times they'll put you on a budget plan. So like if you want to, you know, they'll look at it and they'll say, it looks like you spent X last year. We're going to take you this year and we're just going to let you pay the same amount every single month. So you don't have to worry about when you get to winter, the bill goes to 700 and in the summer it's only 70. They'll let you just pay the whole thing consistently. Helps with budgeting. Yeah. <clears throat> a whole lot less right yeah don't get me started on the garbage bill i mean can you can you really i mean literally you are literally throwing your money away right <laughs> Did you st did you still get a statement every month too? Yeah. Okay. So that's what my problem. Right. So what she's saying is that even when you get on a budget plan with a utility company, sometimes you might pay the same amount, but if it's off or something's wrong in your house, you might actually have more going on than what you're actually being charged. So when you get to the end of the twelve month period, they do it. They send you a catch up bill, where you either owe or you can get a check if they actually owe less. So, um, like I told you yesterday, I'm the treasurer for the Lansing Church, and I operate the, uh, the heating bill on a, um, just a consistent bill so that we always get the same amount. So right now we're sitting on a credit balance, but I get the statement every month and I still look at it to make sure, yeah, still a credit, still a credit, going down, getting used. So, yeah, in this case, that's what they're saying to do too. Mm -hmm. 
time. Yeah, and, that, and, and that'll happen too. So if you have a really big credit balance, rather than sending you a check, they'll just say, all right, no payment this month. Budgeting is a tool. It helps us tell the money. It helps us tell where the money comes from, and it also helps us tell the money where to go. Okay? It's a critical component of any meaningful financial success. You can't really do it without knowing what you have and where it's going. So, where do you start with a budget? Well, you got to make a first, a first draft. And I have here for us a handout here where we can see if I can pass a couple of these down. Yeah, sure. We'll pass this out for you. Again, sorry, limitations of a, of a free seminar. This is a free budget tool that you can find out on the web. I believe the government publishes it again. <clears throat> and it can help us, good old paper and pencil. Hopefully everybody gets one. And we'll fill this out together. We'll pretend, we'll pretend that we're all the same family, okay? But you'll have the tool. You can take it with you and put your own numbers on it later if you like. Consumer.gov. Is everybody set with the debt snowball? Can I take this off the board? <laughs> so let's get started. What do we have on this budget? What's, the, what's it want to know at the very top? It wants to know the period that you're looking at, right? What's, what's next month? We, let's just write down July 2016, right? Okay. Now it wants to know what our income is. It wants to know what our paycheck is. So yesterday we looked at what the median income was in America. We found out that the median income in America is about 52K a year, right? If we put that out, divide that out over 12 months, that means we have an income of about $4,333 a month. That's gross salary, okay? There's a difference, big difference. Here's why. If you, if you didn't like the government before, you're really gonna not like them here in a minute. There's this wonderful thing called what? Taxes. And we have federal, and in the state of Michigan, we have state taxes. And then we have what's called FICA, okay? Let's assume that you are in the, you make $52,000 a year, maybe you're married. Let's assume that we're just in the 15% tax bracket, okay, for federal. A little oversimplified, I know. But 15% of our gross is going to go to federal taxes, okay? In the state of Michigan, 4.25% is going to go to the governor, okay? In FICA, this is where you get your Medicare, Medicaid, and also your Social Security. It's a combined rate of 7.65%. Okay? So 26.9% of everything you make goes to the government. This is why people tell you the first three to four months of the year that you have your job, you don't even make anything. It all goes to the government. And it does depend on your tax bracket, yeah. Yeah, so we're assuming we're at 52,000. It'd probably keep us pretty close to the 15% tax bracket. Okay, top tax bracket in America right now is 39.6. Okay, 
So if we take that, if we take out our taxes, 26.9% of 433 works out to $1,165 a month in taxes, meaning we have $3,168 to work with. Okay? So that's the number we can write in on our sheet. Paychecks, $3,168. Okay? Now, because we're doing a stewardship seminar and it's not on the free sheet, I want you to write right, right here, this, my expenses this month, I want you to write tithes and offerings. Okay? Tithes and offerings. Just hand, just hand write it in right here. What would tithe be on this? What would it be? Are we opening a debate on how, do, how we tithe? <laughs> we're going to tithe on gross in our example here, okay? So we're going to pay $433 for tithe. Now we're not rich. We don't make a lot of money. We're also very heavily in debt, but it is important that we still give offerings, right? So we're going to get off the hook easy today, and we're just going to do $50, okay? Okay, so we'll have a grand total, of, what's this, like 483, right? $483, so we can write that down on our sheet. Ties and offerings, 483. Rent or mortgage. Mortgage rates are low right now. Rent's very favorable. Let's say 550, okay? So let's write down $550 for our rent or our mortgage. Let's say our utilities are favorable, $100 a month, that's $1,200 a year. Very possible if you live in an apartment, by the way. Internet, cable, and phones. I have scoured, I have scoured, I have scoured personally, and I am convinced that the best I can get from my cable bill is $40 a month, so we're going to use $40 a month. Because <laughs> for, our, for our internet, no, this is, yeah, this is just for cable at your home. This isn't even cell phones, right? But you could get a Metro PCS contract fairly inexpensively. I think the average cell phone bill in America is over $200 a month now. A lot of times, some of the smartest things to do with cell phone bills is you team it up, you get other, other people on your plan so you can share it. That's what we do. Yep. So anyways, cable internet, Comcast, I can't get it any cheaper than $40 a month. They tell me I could get it cheaper if I get cable TV too, but I'm opposed, so $40 is the best you can get. Groceries and household utilities, let's say $400, so let's write down $400 there. Meals out, 200. Well, we're gonna see why we can't do much more than that in just a second. Let's say gas for our car is $200 a month. Car maintenance, $50 a month, because we're gonna try and be a little proactive here, right? We know things are gonna break down. I want you to write a thing at the very bottom here. I want you to write loans. And I want you to write $710, okay? That was our minimum payments that we had to make in our debt snowball, right? Now paying more for our loans than we are for paying for rent. Flip the page over. Just $40. This is just an example. Let's, no, yeah, let's just say no for now. We're, kind, we're trying to keep it simple. It's not always going to be the right numbers, I know. Let's say our health expenses, $85. We'll assume we have really great health insurance at work, which I'm sure we all do, right? Clothing and shoes, 
we're really good at the thrift, you know, scouring the thrift shops and uh, getting the great deals at the garage sales. So let's put down $80 a month. See, when you think about this, you're like, $80 isn't very much, but when you translate that to a year, that's $1,000. So, all said and done here, if my math was good, we have income of $3,168 going on. Okay? We have expenditures of $2,978. How much does it leave left over? $190. So how much do we have to pay extra towards our debt snowball? $190. Right? See, in order to make a good budget, though, we have to stop and we have to figure out where, where our bills are coming from. So great places to figure these things out is credit card statements, bank statements, bills that you get in the mail. You know, your, your credit card statements and your, even your debit, even your bank statement, they'll tell you who you're buying stuff from, right? Look at a year, look at two years, look at three years, and you probably got your whole year figured out. You don't need to look at 12 years worth or 12 months worth. Plan for your next month's expenses based on what you learned, okay? This little scenario we just did worked out really good because there was something left over. What are you going to do when there's nothing left over? What happens when the number's negative 190? <laughs> Get another job? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just made a really, really simple one, right? Yeah, you plug a bunch of holes. Make sure to check in with your spouse. Big disclaimer here. My wife made me put this in last night <laughs> before making the list final. This isn't Moses bringing it down from the mountain stone. You have to make sure that, uh, that it's flexible with your spouse. Oh, yeah. Make sure, you know, there's lots of ways to look. You know, your bank statement, your credit card statements, they're going to reveal a lot to you about your spending habits, fees that you're paying that you didn't know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times you can get free checking accounts real easy if you just have direct deposit go into it at least once a month. Whether it be your social security check or your paycheck, just once a month you get free checking. Example here of our budget that we just took a look at together. What if I have irregular income? What if you have irregular income? So what if you're self-employed? or you live on commissions. So where I work, we have 180 sales reps that they all, make, they all make their living on commissions. Some months they do really well, and some months they don't do really well. Okay. So what do these guys do? Or what if you're self-employed? If you're self-employed, this is nice thing about self-employed, your FICA tax, every one of us as an employer, they're also paying 7.65%. Just because you're self-employed doesn't mean you don't have to pay your 7.65 plus another 7.65. 15.3% to FICA if you're self-employed, up to 120000 on income. The income can be unpredictable, so you have to make a plan. You have to know how much money you need each month in order to cover the necessities. Okay? You need to list the items in the budget in order of importance. What's the most important thing in our budget that we could possibly come up with? Ties and offerings, yep, they're very important. Food, shelter, I mean, think about the four walls. We've got to make sure we're dry, that we're fed. Dot, 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 DVD rentals. 
When the money when the money is received, we pay the items in order of listed importance. Okay? You gotta do the regular budget first so that you figure out how you're spending, and then you can start ranking. Okay? And when you get the money that comes in, you pay in order. Okay? Self-employment tips. Um, one of the things that I always recommend to people is if you're self-employed is just open up a separate checking account. Treat it like a business. Nice and simple that way. Keep your business type stuff separate from your personal type stuff. Okay. Pay your self-employment taxes from this checking account. Government will mandate that you, re that you pay them quarterly at least 15.3%. You're also going to have to pay your estimated federal and state taxes as well. Pay yourself a paycheck from this account. Just write yourself a check if there's, when there's something left over, right? Deposit it into your regular checking account. Nowadays, you might even have them at the same financial institution, so you can just transfer it. Record keeping is much easier at your end. Your accountant will thank you. Your taxes will cost less to have prepared because you kept good records all year long. Electronic budgeting. So paper and pencil helps us to understand the budget process, but electronic budgeting in today's day and age is probably a bit more realistic, right? Electronic spreadsheet can save us time and it will reduce errors. Microsoft Excel, have you ever heard of Microsoft Excel? It's pretty inexpensive and it works really well. If you don't wanna pay anything though, you can go out to Google. Google has their own free version of a spreadsheet. You know, thank goodness for Google, everything's free now with them almost. It's out in the cloud, you can access it from any computer in the world. Google Drive, they actually have their own Word, Microsoft Word. It looks just like Word and Excel, but it's not. Budgeting tools. Obviously, like we just said, paper and pencil. The envelope system. This is a personal favorite. Has anyone ever heard of the envelope system? My wife and I have been out of debt for years. Years and years and years. And I don't say that to brag. I'm just, I want, I want to be encouraging for everybody here that might not be. My wife still carries around an envelope package with things so she can buy groceries, so she can buy dog food, so she can, it just, you know, six or seven different envelopes of different things. It makes it easy because there's no real record keeping you have to do when you have cash. And when you're standing at Myers and you're feeding in the 20s and you're like, this isn't good, <laughs> I'm almost out of cash, you either put something back if you want to stay on budget or you realize you need to take it from another envelope if you want to get those things. So it forces you to stay on budget. Yeah. And this might sound really, really foolish to everybody. But this is the honest beginning's truth. Um, I, I lost two lessons, so I, I married twice, and I didn't have the lightest thing to do with the money because the businessman made much more money than I did, but I wasn't in debt. And so I use the envelope system. Mm -hmm. So even, even more ridiculous, as it seems to me, I use monopoly money so that I could explain to them what. The yeah, yeah. And when you have money left over, you know, you can reallocate your envelopes, right? Nothing set in stone, but you know how much you have, and you know when you're getting close to spending the budget when you can't physically pay for it because you don't have enough money, right? Yeah, to this day she still carries it around, and she wouldn't want to do it any other way. She's, you know, 
you won't audit me this way if <laughs> if I don't spend the full hundred on groceries, you won't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, yep. Your debit card, you can swipe, 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 and yeah, absolutely. Websites and smartphone apps, Mint.com um, and EveryDollar.com. This is a new site that Dave Ramsey just created. It's part of his free platform. Uh, I have not looked at it yet. I have looked at Mint, and basically what they do is you, um, you, you set up an account, a login, it's all in the cloud, and you type in your, you can put in your bank account credentials. If you have a credit card, you can put in your credit card credentials, type in your password, and it'll pull in all of your transactions for you, and it kind of helps you organize things so you can see how you're spending. These are, and these are totally free. And uh, yeah, they're really helpful. Um, a lot of times you can get them on your phone as an app so that if you're, you want to open it and you want to see what you've spent or what's in your bank account, so maybe you're like standing there and you're like, well, do I have enough to buy it? You can check and see so you don't just swipe or write a check and then bounce the check and pay another $35 for whatever you're buying. Obviously, you're not requiring any personal information for this. You know, if it's not in the cloud, it's They're going to want your login credentials, though, for, to, these, to your online banking platform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you don't pull from a bank account, okay. Thank you. Okay, it's probably pretty small, I would imagine. Yeah, I think I remember hearing that. Now. Thank you. Okay. Okay. It's supposed to. Be. No social security number or anything like that. Hmm. Right. All right. All right. Yeah. I've used Quicken for years. And there it is, Quicken. <laughs> yep. Personally, that's what I like to use too. I like to use Quicken. I am. A, I'm kind of a confidentiality sort of. Freak, you know, I like I don't like having things out in the cloud. Um, this is about as close as I like to get. One local computer that has my stuff on it, and I still type in my password every time when I let it go out and find all my information. I just don't like someone having it, you know. Um, so Quicken, I think it costs probably about sixty bucks. You can download it, or you can get a CD-ROM and load it on your computer, and um, it works really good. It really does. It lasts three years. You get a three-year subscription for auto-download from your major bank accounts. Make it last. Yeah. But a variation of the envelope system is script. I don't know how many people have heard of script. If you have a school that is affiliated with the I really encourage you to do script. Yeah. Yep. So that's a that's a type of an envelope because when you use your, your card, it prints out what your balance is on there. You can reload them overnight. Yep. Not that inconvenient when you get it set up. Mm -hmm. And it's putting a lot of money into your school. Yeah, that's cool. And the money that's paid in the school should be, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but it costs you nothing. Right? Yeah. So that's something. 
you can do it online. Um, I've never bothered with the past direction, but I buy a manual to print something out. Scripts. Scripts. Yeah. 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 Another app that I really appreciate, this is really the app that I've been this meeting, is a uh, debt snowball app. Okay. I use it all the time. Mm -hmm. You can always update numbers, change numbers. It does self update, but I always yeah. go for the month. What is my balance? Is my line? It's balanced, plug it in there. Yeah. And it tells you the months that you will be out of debt. Mm -hmm. Probably the process. Yeah. It's a wonderful app. Yeah. There is a plethora of free things out there. Just a plethora. If you just go to Google and you type in, you know, Free budget template, boom, you can get all sorts of things. I had one, but we're running out of time. I was going to show it to you, but um, we can look afterwards if you're still interested. But yeah, so we can, we can look at Quicken. Again, make sure you do a reality check with your spouse so that both of you can agree. Um, hire a professional if needed. No, we don't all, we live in a world where we're afraid to pay for, we don't want to pay for things sometimes. But sometimes we need to pay for things to get our problems taken care of. Back to debt payoff, again, make sure we list all those debts, smallest to largest. Build the budget and include the debt payments. Pay off the smallest debt first and work up to the larger debts. Adjust the budget as debts are paid off and cash flow increases. And seek ways to in increase income if needed. See how we're bringing the debt snowball concept background into the budgeting concept, okay? So how can we increase income? Real quick, we'll run through a couple ideas here. You can get extra hours, another shift, right? Start with where you're already at. It's the easiest way to pick up more income. Your second job if you need to. Get a part-time job. Maybe you're not working at all. Maybe just a part-time job will help you speed up a debt snowball. Have a garage sale. So I'll tell you this. Two weeks ago, my wife had a garage sale. We have all this junk. She's not even here. It's not fair, but some of you in the room know my wife, and I know it's going to get back to her, but it's okay. <laughs> She cleared $500 at a garage sale. Can you imagine $500 on her debt snowball? I would have taken care of your furniture loan like that. Consignment shop sales. My wife made me put this one on here because she's a consignment shop seller. A lot of places, all you got to do is take it and drop it off. And they have an electronic app where you can see how much they've sold and when you want to go pick up the check. eBay. I've sold stuff on eBay before. Stuff sitting around your house you don't need anymore. Maybe stuff you find you can sell even. Blogging. There are people that make a whole career off blogging nowadays. People are making six figures blogging. Mind-boggling. you got to be a really good writer, right? <laughs> Teach lessons. Maybe you know an instrument. Maybe you know tutoring. There's so many different ways that you can make extra income. Ways that you can cut costs. So you can, if you're increasing here and you're cutting costs here, you spread it. You can cut up your credit cards to stop adding to the problem, first and foremost. You can buy used if possible. There's a lot of Goodwill stickers in our house. Borrow when it's appropriate. My only caveat with borrowing is make sure you're appreciative. Make a meal plan, stick to it. Yep, we got this meal plan, this sticky thing that's on our refrigerator every single day. And my wife has Monday, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday all listed out. And that's just what we do for a lot of times. Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, those things are cheap, but they do cost money. And maybe we don't need them in our lives anyways. That's a different sermon. Cable television. Cable costs $140 a month or something like that, last I'd heard from people. 
Antenna's free. Yeah. Cell phones. What, remember, they're so expensive. So expensive. Actually, nowadays, if you want to get a cell phone that's not a smartphone, they have to go get a special case in the back and show it to you. Gym memberships. Downsize your cars, your boats, RVs, houses. Use coupons. Shop insurance policies regularly. At least every few years, you need to take a look to make sure that your rates aren't just out of control. Brainstorm with your spouse. You might, might find out you can get rid of something you don't even need. Yeah. Lots of others. Real quickly here, two slides left. Three to six months of expenses. This is our step three of our baby steps now. So after we've cleared out the debts, we've got ourselves on track. We need to make sure we go from $1,000 a month up to that three to six months of expenses and savings. Building a full emergency fund. Determine it's that it's expenses. It's not income for three to six months, so it's not as big as you think it is. Most families, it's around ten to fifteen thousand dollars. That would do it. Could you imagine if you had ten to fifteen grand in the bank, lose your job? It's not as big of a deal. You don't have to take the first job that comes at you that pays minimum wage. You can wait a little while to find it. Helps protect against the big financial storms, the leaky roof, the job loss, the major medical problem. I will throw this in here. This is where we'll differentiate from Dave Ramsey. For some people that like to get a little bit of yield, this is a Bogglehead's concept. Um, these guys are real, real number nerds. Um, they'll take their emergency fund strategies. Really, for most everybody, keeping it in just a savings account is simple enough. But sometimes what these guys like to do is they like to come up with tiered emergency funds. And I'm throwing this out there just for anybody that wants something a little different than just the basics. They'll take their first one to three months, they'll put it in an online savings account. Ally Bank, Synchrony Bank, GMC. You can get 1% on that right now. So I personally use uh, Synchrony. It's uh, spun off by GE Capital about two years ago. I think I get like 1.05%. It's fully FDIC insured. You just do it all online, transfer money back and forth when you need to. It takes a couple days to get it. Uh, these guys will take the next four to six months and they'll put it in a laddered CD. So you'll have a one-year, two-year, three-year, four-year, five-year CD plan so that you're always getting the best rates. When, you, when they renew, you just put it into another five-year. We can talk about that more if you have questions about it. And then they'll take the next seven to nine months and they'll put it in I-bonds. You open a treasurydirect.gov account. You can buy treasury debt directly, no fees. You can get I-bonds at 1.65% and you don't pay any taxes until you sell it. No taxes at all if you use it for education. And uh, the rate adjusts with inflation. So if inflation goes up to 20%, so does your bond. That's it. That's the end. I'm a minute over. I apologize. I was trying to leave time at the end, and it didn't work. We have good questions, though. This, this, this one? All right. Picture, picture snap. <laughs> I go go back one more here. There you go. All right. Can we have a word of prayer quickly? And then um, if anyone has questions, I'm happy to stay after and we can ask them in person. And uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, though. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for all of us that are willing to learn more about um, financial resources and how we can be good stewards. Lord, and I pray that you would help us each and every day to, to have that stewardship mindset and Lord to, um, to 
to always be about your business too, knowing that you'll bless us if we are. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.